It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewish patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Jewish Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish women activist, and today I am also a political activist. Very proud to bring you this show. As each of you know, every show opens with my opening pearls of wisdom. Because we have four huge guests, and I don't mean big in size, I mean big in talent and power and big in popularity among you, I am going to keep it brief. I have four people here today who take action and make something happen. They are controversial because they step out of the box. And that's my word to you, step out of the box. You're going to learn things today about each of these people all in the political arena, a congressman, a political consultant, and two people running for city council who are going against the establishment because they care about the city of New York, the state of New York, the country, and democracy. I am telling you right now, if you accept the status quo, you are going to be doomed for failure. But if you're willing to talk to real leadership, not only will they talk and listen to you, but you will build a bigger coalition. So I'm going to keep it brief. I'm not even going to probably have time for my closing today because I'd rather, as a smart host, let the people talk with the knowledge and the power to help you with your knowledge and your power. So sit back and stay tuned. Joining the Jewess Patriot now is a friend to the Jewish people, to every American patriot, and someone who is outspoken how much he loves America, how much he loves his state of Arizona, and how much he wants to do to secure the borders of his state and our country, among many other things. Dr. Congressman Paul Gosar has been in Congress since 2013. When he was redistricted, he won by an even larger margin. But I want to talk right now and set the record straight. There is no stronger voice in his state fighting BDS and fighting anti-Semitism or across the country than what he has done 
in Congress with either co-sponsoring legislation or actually even crossing the border and doing bipartisan legislation on behalf of the American Jewish community and Jews around the world. Congressman, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you so much, Cindy. Appreciate you. Well, we appreciate you, and we appreciate the fact that you are at the forefront of every issue that we are all concerned about here today. And I don't call them Republican or Democrat. I call them common sense. Right now, the biggest topic, of course, is the FBI, DOJ weaponization of what is going on and our judicial system so at risk. Something that we never saw before in our country. What are your thoughts and what can we do about it as the public? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is our country was always known for equal application of the law, Cindy. And we don't see that. We see a two-tiered justice system. And that's not right. And so, you know, we've been we've sold a bill of goods by this administration and, frankly, you know, Congresses uh, prior. And, and we got to get back to square one. First of all, getting back to that, number two is is we got to have fiscal sanity. You were running up the bill on our children, grandchildren, and even us, you know, where we're becoming a, a laughingstock of the world. You know, we don't mean what we say. We uh, chastise others. Uh, we we uh, don't follow the rule of law. So we, the people, have to make sure that our folks that are representing us are doing the right thing. Number two is we also have to be able to be in, in, included in those things. So one of the big things I've wanted is that in order to get the Justice Department back on track is release the J- January 6th tapes to America. You know, if it was an assault to America, then the American public should be involved in, in looking who uh, orchestrated this, who were undercover, and start uh, naming names and giving places. That way, what we can do is hold those that correspond to this, be held accountable. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I still have questions as to what happened to Ashley Babbitt, as many of us do. And if it was an accident, then we understand. But if it was something else, then we need to know. Her family needs to know. Her, her husband needs to know. The American people need to know because we all know if it was reverse, what would be going on? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, we were fed a narrative that the police officers lost their lives that day. They did not. The only person who was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt. And then there followed three others, uh, Miss Boylan and two gentlemen. So then when you start with a premise like that, something's wrong. Number two is, is that you had people that were responsible, uh, that Ms. Pelosi and uh, uh, she had control of the House uh, and uh, Capitol grounds for the safety of everybody. She turned down requests by the Capitol Police for additional Capitol uh, cops. She turned down the National Guard as well. And so it's almost like she was bringing this on to it's, it, the, this is pro- process. The FBI said they had no undercover people. Now we're up to 40, 50. So what gives? we got to make sure that we get this right. I can't agree with you more. Let's talk about the debt ceiling. Another big concern for all Americans. Uh, you know, I'm just waiting for the day that China says it's over. You have to pay us back immediately 
And they have the power to do it now because of their relationships with all of our enemies. I am just scared that day's coming sooner rather than later. What do you have to say to our audience about my thoughts and about what's going on in Congress? So I was one of the folks that voted against the death ceiling. Uh, and the reason being is, is America gets it. We cut maybe $20 billion uh, in spending and, and used kind of gimmick gimmicks, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you a little more about that. But what we did is we increased the credit card from four to, to four to six trillion. Now, in what lifetime does business people actually say that you cut 20 billion, but you extend the credit card on four to six trillion? Doesn't work. What we also did is we just went through a pandemic where $4.8 trillion of money was spent on COVID. And this administration, like any other administration when they're in a national emergency, has the power to move money around. And if it's like any other program in our country, uh, it's about a 25% waste. So we asked for clawbacks. This national emergency clause has been, has been a disaster. And uh, so we asked for clawbacks. That should go back to the Treasury. But what they did is they decided to put it into an account where they could use it for the appropriation season to add up and, and to give more money to different projects. That's not right. You don't mix those types of funds. So we're busy trying to, to get through the national emergency. We did, we were the ones that actually got that stopped. And now we need an accountability. Well, I have to, uh, you know, just from common sense, I don't understand how the country, especially sanctuary cities that keep complaining, run by Democrats who have failed, especially they failed the minorities the most. Why they keep putting money into budgets for illegals, for medicine, for lodging, for food, for education, at the expense of their own legal residents who are the taxpayers. I just, I can't answer that. I don't know how any person can vote for a Democrat that that goes along those lines and supports legislation like that. I absolutely agree. And the only thing you can come up with, they hate uh, the United States. They want to change its culture. You know, when I brought this up in a hearing before, I was attacked viciously. This is not about culture. Yes, it is about culture. When you take away your history, when you don't understand, you know, the premises of what you're built on, the freedoms and liberties and the costs that come with it, you're bound to repeat history. And that's what we're doing. And so many of our young people have no idea because they've never been taught our history, never been taught the rule of law, never been taught those aspects. And so this is a, this is a, uh, an administration has done everything it can to destroy the America that we know. Well, as someone who's, uh, the plaintiff in a lawsuit against the Department of Education where Randy Weingarten could be a witness. I couldn't agree with you more mm. because I saw this 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I, in 2015, went to Cleveland and I remember the days of Arizona under the leadership of Jan Brewer and Joe Apayo and how it was such a strong red state and that they were very concerned about the security of their own residents. Tell me what's going on in Arizona and the immigration crisis, because to me, I look, I don't, I can't believe that Carrie Lake lost. I have a very hard time with that. 
And I can't yeah. believe that Arizonians are really not, you know, concerned about their own state and the security of it. They, they are. You know, the, there's there's a big problem, though, uh, Cindy, and that is you have the great state of Maricopa. Here's the state of Phoenix in Maricopa County, which has a, a, probably 70 percent of our population. And they have one very powerful set of supervisors. And they were very beholden to an individual that was uh, uh, kind of a trademark for the uh, Arizona politics. And that was John McCain. And we saw some changes occur. We saw the McCain machine that hated Donald Trump more than they loved this country. There was a lot of uh, uh, variances in our election process. Uh, we do mail-in ballots. We've been doing them for 20 years. and uh, But we always try to play nice. And, and, you know, the but the knives are out, and we got to stop that. I'll give Carrie credit. You know, she took this this all the way up. There, there was plenty of things that had, were uh, done uh, inappropriately, let's say. And uh, she should she should have, should have a better day in, in court than she's had. But uh, we're still a red state. We're still I I, I we still those but maintain it's still a red state. I look at my district, Andy Beggs, uh, Debbie Lesko, Juan Siscomani, uh, Eli Crane, you know, and, and then the other ones are very, very close except for, uh, uh Rahalva and Gallego. But, uh, we're still a red state. We just have to get our message together. You know, we have to all be in the same team. It's very funny you say that because when I ran unsuccessfully, because I wasn't endorsed by my GOP for Congress, I mm-hmm. ran as a Trump supporter. Everybody said to me, what would you like to be if you were in Congress? And I said, a member of the Freedom Caucus. They are the future of common sense. When you Mm -hmm. say Freedom Caucus, depending on who you talk to, even the rhinos, they like go Mm -hmm. crazy. But I think, and I hear it from so many people, I hear it from so many blacks who are turning from Democrat to Republicans in the past couple of years, that Freedom Caucus is the future. What do you tell people about the Freedom Caucus? Because I know anybody who's a part of it gets attacked for it, but yet they wear that attack with pride. They know they're doing Absolutely. something right. Absolutely. You know, it's a one place, Cindy, that you have debate, you know, about the issues. And and we even take the other, the, the contra side. And that's something that's missing in America today and in, in the United States Congress. I mean, we have principles. We're not going to fall for just everything. If it makes common sense, then we're going to stand for it. If it's about freedom, liberty, and the the backbone of this country, we're going to stand for it. And you might run us over. That's fine. But we are also uh, uh, calculated in the fact that we can make changes. You know, everybody said that last time we were supposed to have this red tsunami. Well, God played a trick on us, but it was a good trick. Because we couldn't have done any of these reforms without having a slight majority in the House. It took boldness, it took a common idea, and yet look what we've accomplished. We've had uh, four months of fabulous bills, you know, the cut, uh, cap and, and grow. Uh, that was, most people said that was amazing. The, the border, uh, bill that we put, people said it wouldn't pass. So it became part of us to put something forward. It's not about no, but what would you do to get to yes? 
And then we started working with our uh, other friends in uh, the Republican uh, caucus to show them why this was important, why this would work. And everything was going strong until we got to this debt ceiling. And we're not going to sell out America. No way, no how. I think it's made the rest of the uh, leadership stronger. I think challenging McCarthy, challenging Scalise, and challenging Stefanik has made them stronger voices. I see Elise really young enough and independent enough being a woman, uh, make, working with you guys and her, her future very bright because of the strength of the Freedom Caucus. I agree. You know, you look at the personalities, Chip Roy, uh, Scott Perry, Byron Donald. You know, these people are very articulate, very smart, and they're unafraid. They're, they're, you know, they're, they will challenge. Um, but they, they're willing to come to the table with solutions. That's what's really key about this, solutions. And, you know, we, you know, I was one of the 20 that did not vote for Kevin McCarthy until the 15th round. And our, our whole point was, and, and even AOC had to ask me this question. The power of the House is not in the speaker. It's not in the majority leader, nor the minority leader, nor the whips. It's in every member of the House. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a progressive, a conservative, a Republican, a middle-of-the-road person. Your district saw something in you that they wanted to elect you. And you ought to be able to put your two cents worth, your ideas forward, debate them, get a vote up or down, and if you lose, you lose, you win, you win. And, and AOC even came to me. and She said, did you mean what you said? I said, absolutely, but what are you asking? As I said a lot and a little, because I actually nominated my, my good friend Andy Biggs for a speakership. She said, you took on your leadership, but you also took on our leadership. And I said exactly what I just told you before. The power is in the people in the House. And we'll make Kevin McCarthy stronger if he allows us to do our work and he represents that work. And that's as simple as it gets. We could talk for you with you forever, but we know that uh, you are heading out for another important uh, bill. Uh, tell us where we can reach out to you and uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to share with the audience. Absolutely. Well, keep, keep your head up. Be positive. And, you know, it's a new day coming in Arizona. It's a new day coming across the United States. You know, it only takes one to start that fire. And when that fire gets going, it breathes hot and, and ready. And that's freedom. That's liberty. And that's justice. And, you know, when it's always darkest, it's always right before the light. And here we go. We can make this happen. Take back this country and get America dreaming again. God love you, Cindy. God love you. Uh, Congressman Paul Gosart, DDS from the 9th Congressional District, a leader. I will never forget you and Ted Cruz on January 6th. I think that sealed the deal because American Jews, we call him the, the best Jew in Washington, and we call you the best congressional Jew, honorary Jew, because you actually don't talk. You do the work for American Jews and for Jews around the world. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you, Ms. Cindy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Joining us now is Heshi Tishla. He is running on the Republican line in the 44th District for City Council. And right now, as we speak, there is uh, primary voting going on. Those areas are that he will represent include Bensonhurst, Borough Park, Gravesend, Kensington, and Midwood. Heavily Jewish, but heavily non-Jewish populations as well. Many of you will recognize Heshi as a voice of reason fighting City Hall during COVID. He didn't care whether or not you were Jewish. He was opening the parks and protecting the rights of tax-paying citizens of New York. And his message, I will tell you, resonated across the country because I was with other people who knew of Heshi recently because they said if it wasn't for his fighting, uh, there might have been a different outcome to opening parks and allowing taxpayers to use these public places. Heshi, thank you for joining the Jewess Patriot. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for 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 allowing me on your show and and letting my voice again to to go out to to the many uh, people out in our great country. Um, it's it's a privilege, and I know you. Uh, we 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 work together, and you've uh, interviewed me in the past. I've interviewed you, and uh, you. Uh, uh, I know that you want to get the truth out to the people, so that's very important. Well, you're not afraid to take on City Hall. You're not afraid to take on the White House. You were a registered Democrat who voted for Donald Trump and who proudly supports Donald Trump, even as we speak. That's correct, Cindy. You know, doing the right thing, and I've done that for uh, forty plus years. Uh, me and my family, I've had, I've taught young people. I know you don't want to really hear so much about my past, but you want to hear why we, what, what my message is. But my past is simple. Since my father passed away at thirteen, I fought for my friends in school, other kids that didn't have uh, places to go. We, my mother, allowed people to come live by us. I saw her take care of the indigent and poor, even in the business that she had, the old age home. How she ran her business with love and care, and it, it came, it, it it oozed into my pores. And as I grew old, I, I run my business the same way. When I have employees, they don't care about my clients, they don't care about the issues. I tell them, please don't work for me. I help my employees grow to compete against me, to open up their own businesses because there's so much. Why am I not scared of the um, the, the the mayor or the governor or, and when they came after me? And, and did I vote? In the 1980s, I voted for Ronald Reagan. I was a Reagan Democrat. I voted for Bush, yes. I even voted for Barack Obama because I thought he was young and changed and had the, had the Republican ideals. Why we were Democrats? We were all Democrats. That's the way our parents were. That's the way life is. Um, I love this great country, and I won't let them stifle me. Most importantly, and I show this to everybody, I carry with me a copy of the Constitution. I carry with me a copy of the Declaration of Independence. My father was a Holocaust survivor, and you know I've told you that with the numbers on his hands. He lost seven of the people, told me stories of how they killed the Jews, not only the Jews. The non-Jews, the people stood up for the Jews. I grew up in this country in the 70s where where, where where bigotry was, even though there was all love and drugs and sex. But I was there when, when people still hated one another. And we've come so long, and I'm not going to let us fall back when we're on the right path, especially with my children. 
I've had 21 foster children through my house. I have people that come home from jail that if, if you give them a second chance, but if you don't and you let them get lost and you give them drugs and poison and let them do crazy things, of course they're going to get lost on the path. When your mayor, and I say your mayor, Cindy, I know you don't live there by us. I hated Blasio so much. He closed my parks, but he didn't do it. He did more. He closed my synagogues. He closed my stores. He fined us in not in the thousands, in the millions and millions of dollars. You and I pay taxes. They raised our taxes during COVID by 18%. This is not a a, a, a place uh, uh, that's a joke. This is a country that was built on the blood and sweat of our ancestors, of our parents. You people have to believe that. During COVID, I, I, I listened. I was... I was I was one of the frontline workers, but again, I listened. And when I saw people with special needs kids in my office, I have them. Uh, we take care of them. My sister is as, as, as Down syndrome and with love and care, they do better. But now I see suicides and deaths and people dying because you don't want to give them medicines. And you have politicians making up rules that they have no idea what they're doing. It's so it's. It- it's if you are elected, and it's really when you are elected, because we keep hearing how people are tired of the status quo. People are very concerned that our city council, all across the five boroughs, are not doing enough. Even with the quote-unquote Republican common sense caucus of the winds of the past couple of years, people are still afraid to take the subways. People are still afraid to open businesses. People are very concerned when the mayor says he wants... uh people to open their homes to illegals. People are very concerned about CUNY and the school situation. What do you want to do to change the status quo? You know, uh, we have even a couple of Republicans that got elected. And um, uh, and I'm going to tell you her name, Ina Venikova. She promised to change. She promised to scream at CUNY. And, and the, 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 the city college... Uh, she forced them to a million dollars of, of internet stuff when it could have been for free. I don't know if she got any kickbacks. During her time in office, she did some private stuff that I don't even want to mention, something that came up. They become a politician and they fall into the system. I don't want to create more legislation, Cindy. What I want to do is fix what we have. I want to stop the craziness of going forward. Yes, Cindy, I want to, I want to figure out an idea. It's too late. We have these 72,000 immigrants here. We have homeless. We have a homeless problem here of 80,000 people, 20,000 kids, which the mayor did not fix. And he's now lowering and taking their funding for the homeless issues. You know, there was a guy that was arrested. I forgot his name. I, I had it on my sheets yesterday. You know, the guy who killed uh, Jordan yes. Neely. Uh, Daniel um, Penny. Daniel Penny. Now, the guy on the train was telling people, I'm going to kill you. The guy in the train was threatening people. He has five witnesses to this. Instead, and the whole family of this, Jordan Neely threw him out of the house, put him into hospitals. Instead, we're arresting a guy. This is our system. Our stores are closing down because of the taxes being raised and the fines are leveling against them. People are not opening up their businesses because they have to close them. They have no opportunity because the city's hurting them. When I want to take in borders into my house or open an Airbnb, the city comes to me and shuts me down and finds me and vacates my home. But the mayor is now willing to give me illegal immigrants at $60 or $80 a day. The, the, the city won't let me live because of their stupid legislation. I'm going to stop this legislation. I want to create a system where we can fix it. 
You have a $107 billion budget that came up from $90 billion. Any common sense businessman knows you can take off 10% divide away because if you ever saw the programs and if you ever read the budget, and I've gone through it, waste, 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 duplicity. You have government agencies that are making a profit because they're wasting our time and trying to take money from us. We can cut them down, use their services. Not going on the train, Cindy. You know that. You and I, when we're sitting together on that train, we're going to be robbed or stabbed or killed. I mean, come on, the other day. I don't take it. I don't go on any public transportation anymore. But we're running out of time, and I just want to say, we don't have at the Jewess Patriot any documentation about what you discussed with Ina, but we do know that Heshi Tishla, running for city council, doesn't matter if it's an R or a D, he has stood up and challenged uh, sitting elected officials on all levels. And he Correct. will continue and, to work with everybody to make sure you have just, medical freedoms and vaccine freedoms and education choice. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, whether or not you're wearing a yarmulke or not. Heshi, where can our audience reach out to you? Well, you can always reach out to me. Uh, you can look at my website, heshitishla.com. You can find a way to reach me there. My phone number is always available from 6 a.m. to midnight. Uh, just by email is just enough heshi at gmail.com. And I am never, never not available to my public. You don't have to call me 85 times. And I'm a private citizen with a regular business that volunteers with a soup kitchen and still does constituent services for 40 years. By the way, Cindy, final comment. I have black and Muslim uh, uh, foster kids in my house. I have people from jail in my house. So I want you to know I'm not scared of your mayor. I know the laws. I know how they use the laws. I fight the laws. I defend it. Go to court for administrative court. And the city appointed me as a receiver to fight for them sometimes. My, my basic thing before you in this interview, justice and honor for all. And I've always done that. And I'm going to continue to do that. And I remember how my father suffered, told me the stories. And I will allow, well, I won't allow America to go forward and fall down. I love this country. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm an independent. Basically, see, I'm an American. True and true. My blood runs red, white, and blue. I'm 60 years old. I don't need the money. I don't need the, the, the ego that you guys think I need. I just need to change it to protect my children, my grandchildren, my neighbors, my community, my city, and to represent the rest of the world that this great country doesn't care who you are. So everybody, you want me? Heshitishler.com. Just enough Heshi. He's also on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. And joining us now is Samantha Zarka, who is running for city council in District 13 in the Bronx. This is a national race for many reasons. First of all, she has over 50,000 followers on Instagram. I didn't even think there are 50,000 residents in her district. Number two, she has been the focus of a very scandalous primary in the Republican Party that really Republican leadership should be embarrassed about. She's been featured on uh, national radio and TV shows, and she's here to tell us a little bit about her race. Early voting has started. Everybody must get out and vote and get rid of the status quo. 
Samantha, thanks for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me. Thank you. So to in the brief time we have, because we are supporting you, we are encouraging people to come out for you. Tell us why you are the best candidate and why the uh, Bronx chairman's sister is your biggest competitor and her experience in politics. Well, I like to start out that I'm the only candidate in this race that has a proven record of beating a Democrat in their own backyard. My senatorial race last year, I won District 13, which comprises of 80th and the 82nd Assembly District. Um, that hasn't happened in just about 20 or over 20 years that a Republican won the area in the Bronx. Um, my opponent, uh, uh, the Rendino's sister, doesn't have any experience whatsoever. She's uh, just been a, uh, a radiological tech and uh, has never done any political, um, you know, uh, uh, race before or any political action whatsoever. Um, the only reason why she's in this race is because her brother, uh, Michael Rendino, the chairman of the Bronx GOP, um, has put her in the race because he has a desire for his own future expansion of power and prospects of uh, a fortune. Well, that's why he lives in my district and where this show is aired from the Nassau County District, because our chair is actually the most uh, powerful chair in the country right now and, and definitely in New York. So, Samantha, tell us, you mentioned something very important. You're getting a lot of attention from uh, people that are very concerned about safety and the economy, and they don't care whether or not you are a Democrat or Republican. They want change. They want the end of the status quo. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was, I'm, born, I'm a daughter born from Albanian uh, parents who, were, who suffered at the hands of communism. Um, right now, we're at the precipice of something that re- is not going to be reversible. So I stepped out last year, as I am now, running to stop the status quo. We have a, an ideological perspective out there. We have city council members that are just falling in line. They're spineless. They promise community Uh, members that they're going to stand with fortitude for the people and they don't. I'm a mother who lost a child. I'm a mother who uh, has raised her children in the Bronx. I am a Bronx community member since I'm born. I'm a part of District 13. I'm going to fight a fight and it will be forgotten people. I made a promise to God when I stepped out last year. It's a promise I intend to keep. I plan on bringing trade schools back to our high schools as early as ninth grade and support the police, give them the tools that they need. It's about law and order. Children are being killed day by day. Women you know, last year and this year, our, the rape number is up 7%. You know, crime is up almost 400%. When will we say enough is enough? I'm not one of those that will stand in line. I'm one that will absolutely fight for the people because I am this community as well. Well, Samantha, you have our support here from the Jewess Patriot. We wish you good luck. We can't wait to celebrate your victory. You are one of the people that we need You are going to fight the status quo. You are here for everybody. You don't care what they have uh, in their political background. You are here to work for the people, and we must fix New York today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. God bless you. God bless you, too.
Joining the Jewess Patriot now is someone you know. He is probably uh, in the news as much as his uh, friend, President Donald Trump. Uh, he has been a political consultant since the Nixon days and probably knows every president since then. He is now the host of a new radio show, The Roger Stone Show, and I suggest everybody follow it because there you're going to get the facts, not fake news. He's a best-selling author. He's been the subject of multiple uh, documentaries. And when I ran for Congress on his own without telling me, he endorsed me. So uh, I consider him a friend, an ally, and somebody that we should really be working more with. Roger, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Cindy, I'm great, uh, very grateful to be here. Uh, and you're right, I'm very excited about my new show at WABC Radio. It's the Roger Stone Show. Airs Sundays at 3 o'clock. Uh, this, uh, this Sunday, I have General Michael Flynn uh, as my guest. And uh, you can actually, if you're not in the tri-state area, if you are, of course, you can hear it at 770 AM on the AM dial. Or you can go to wabcradio.com and listen to it there. Or you can get the WABC Radio app. Uh, I had President Donald Trump for my first show. Uh, I had uh, David Schoen, the president's uh, top flight impeachment attorney, for my second show. Very excited now about the third show where General Flynn uh, is going to join us. But I'm delighted to be with you this morning. Well, we're just happy to have you, and we want to hear everything because, you know, what uh, the president went through in Florida is not that much different than what you went through in Florida. And it, the, the, when everybody says it could happen to the president with or you, and you guys are public figures, and the president, of course, had media access, you do, it happens to common people all the time who are helpless and don't have the access to support that you guys get. So tell us a little bit about why it is so important to reelect President Trump and your involvement in the campaign. Well, I appreciate your question. Uh, you have to remember back during the time that I was politically targeted in the Mueller witch hunt uh, and ultimately convicted in a Soviet-style show trial, uh, a total kangaroo court with a hateful, hostile judge who hates Donald Trump, uh, a jury forewoman who said during jury selection and during the trial that she didn't know who I was. She was unfamiliar with the case. Turns out she had been attacking me uh, by name on her Twitter and her Facebook postings a year before I was charged. But she had those on a private setting and she quietly deleted them after I was convicted. That alone should have thrown out my conviction, but it's D.C., so of course it didn't. Uh, I had an all-Democrat jury, uh, not a single military veteran, not a single Roman Catholic, not a single Republican, not a single non-Democrat, not even a Green Party member, not even an independent. Uh, but uh, I had several veterans of the Justice Department under Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. I had uh, somebody who worked for the FBI. I had a a uh, a law school classmate of one of the prosecutors in my case, all on the jury. Uh, it was uh, it was a lynching, and of course I was gagged. I was not allowed to defend myself uh, in any forum whatsoever, so I couldn't come on a show like this and tell my side of the story. And for 
two years, uh, MSNBC, CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, among the worst of them, kept insisting that I was a, a Russian spy, a traitor, that I was a go-between uh, between WikiLeaks and Julian Assange and the Trump campaign, none of which was true, none of which they produced any evidence of at my trial. So really... Um, I think many Americans remember, just like they raided Mar-a-Lago, uh, the morning of January 25th, when 29 heavily armed FBI agents in full SWAT gear, brandishing fully automatic M4 assault weapons, surrounded and then stormed my home to arrest me for the first time nonviolent crime of allegedly lying to Congress in my voluntary testimony before the House Intelligence Committee, uh, scared the daylights out of my dogs. Uh, my wife, who is hearing impaired, woke up looking down the barrel of a gun. She didn't know if this was a home invasion or what it was. They, uh, they arrived in 17 armored vehicles with a government helicopter overhead. Uh, at that time, I lived on a canal, so two FBI amphibious units uh, pulled up to the dock behind my uh, house. Prog men jumped out with carrying assault weapons. Uh, it was a massive uh, show all staged for CNN, as we now know. Uh, CNN just happened coincidentally, out of the blue, of course, to have a, fill, a full film crew uh, 25 feet from my front door when this all went down. Uh, by looking at the security cameras from my home, which the FBI stupidly left the footage behind, you can see that the CNN crew showed up 15 minutes before the FBI and set up their cameras. Uh, I have an affidavit. I have an affidavit from a retired Fort Lauderdale police officer who was sent in to assist the FBI, uh, and they had set up a perimeter. At the end of my street, they roped it off. That's where the rest of the media was. And a crowd started to gather because of all the noise. Uh, and when he told CNN that they had to leave and go with the rest of the press behind the rope, um, he was chewed out by a senior FBI agent who said, no, CNN has special permission to be there. Wow. Uh, I was arrested at 6.06 in the morning at 6.11 Uh a producer from CNN sent my lawyer by text a copy of my sealed indictment. It wasn't unsealed until three hours later by a federal magistrate in D.C. Uh, and uh, that indictment had no court markings or timestamp on it because it still wasn't public. Uh, but it did, if you looked at the metadata tags, have the initials of the man who wrote it and therefore the man who illegally leaked it, that would be Andrew Weissman, the de facto head of the uh, of the Mueller investigation. Now, Mr. Weissman has a very checkered past. He he started in Brooklyn where he covered up mob murders. Uh, he lied on the stand repeatedly. Sammy the Bull Gravano killed a number of people that he never paid a price for because Andrew Weissman, the prosecutor, covered up for him. Then, of course, he prosecuted Enron, destroyed that company, uh, destroyed Arthur Anderson. Uh, all those convictions were, of course, reversed unanimously by the Supreme Court. Uh, Mr. Weissman was admonished by a federal judge for prosecutorial misconduct. 
then, of course, uh, he went to the FBI, where he was well aware of the fact, as general counsel to the FBI and a former uh, and a former uh, assistant to uh, James Comey, he knew the Steele dossier was a fraud, was a fugazi. But as a Mueller prosecutor, he allowed it to, to be used uh, as the rationale for that investigation. How Mr. Weissman has avoided prison, I don't know, because when John Durham uh, subpoenaed the cell phones of the Mueller prosecutors, it was Mr. Weissman who ordered the erasure of all of the memories. That's destruction of evidence. So we have a two-tier justice system. He talks endlessly on MSNBC about the rule of law, but he has yet himself not yet been brought to justice, but he will be. Uh, in any event, um, as you know, uh, I uh, pled not guilty. Um, I was easily convicted because the judge in my case, uh, much like I think they will try to do with Donald Trump, uh, tried to disallow any um, reasonable defense. Uh, and then uh, I was arrested in January by July after they'd uh, subpoenaed uh, all, uh, pardon me, gotten a warrant for all of my uh, emails and my cell phone, and they found no evidence whatsoever of Russian collusion or WikiLeaks collaboration, then they wanted to pressure me to testify falsely against Trump. They presented a list of 29 phone conversations that they could document between me and candidate Trump in 2016, uh, and they wanted to compose testimony and said, if you will simply testify that these conversations pertain to assistance from the Russians, WikiLeaks collaboration, uh, and so on, we'll write a letter to the judge as the prosecution urging that you serve no jail time. Uh, and I refused to do that because it would be lying. Bible's pretty clear about bearing false witness uh, against thy neighbor. So um, as I think most people know, uh, President Trump saw this outrageous act of injustice. He commuted my sentence 48 hours before I was to be taken to a dank Georgia prison where I was supposed to die. Um, I've had a lifetime history of uh, asthma. The prison, even though the, the Bureau of Prisons assisted, there were no COVID cases there. There were over 200 active COVID cases, and there was no segregation of the prison population. Uh, and then that Christmas, uh, thanks to the grace of God uh, and fervent prayer, uh, I was pardoned by President Trump. Now, if you go online and you look, try to look for my pardon, you won't even find much evidence of it. Uh, it's pretty much been buried. I couldn't find it, actually. I was looking for, you know, to write my introduction and everything. And you bring up so much. And, and uh, I mean, look, I beat both you and the president. I have a court case 11 years where the witnesses actually testified, and then they admitted that they lied. They submitted evidence they admitted they lied. But in these kangaroo courts run by Democrats, the honest voice can't win. So that's going to bring my next question. I am so sick and tired of hearing, oh, Trump is going to win the primary, but he can't win a general election. And I tell people, are you happy today with the cost of your food? Are you happy today with your borders? Are you happy today with a judicial system that will one day attack you if they don't like what you say or do? And what is your answer to that? Yeah, that is, uh, it, it, you know, look, I've been a, a political strategist my entire life. I've worked in 12 national Republican presidential campaigns. I've 
yes, I'm honored that uh, my mentor was Richard Nixon, the man who unilaterally saved Israel from total annihilation in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Richard Nixon, who over the objections of Henry Kissinger and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, airdropped $37 million worth of lethal aid to the Israelis, saving Israel from total and complete destruction. That Richard Nixon. Uh, I worked for President uh, Ronald Reagan in 1976, 1980, and 1984. Uh, I worked on the Bush recount because I didn't want Al Gore to become president. And, of course, I worked for President Donald Trump. So I must tell you that in politics, we make decisions and judgments not based on our opinion or our hunch or our theory, uh, but on the basis of data, sophisticated polling data. Right now, that polling data would show you actually Donald Trump is the Republican who runs the best race against Joe Biden. Uh, now, we cannot count on inflation because actually the inflation situation is going to get a little better. But the employment numbers are completely jiggered. They're they're rigged uh, and uh, gas prices are not going to get better. Uh, the economy will not be good at the time of our next election. Uh, and Joe Biden cannot really get through a, a debate. In fact, he can barely stand up, as we can see. So uh, I think that if you look at it historically and you look at the current polling, I would argue that in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and Arizona and Georgia, there's a subset of voters out there who are not Republicans, uh, but they're Trump voters. Uh, they did not vote for Mitt Romney. They did not vote for John McCain. Many of them didn't vote at all in those elections, or if they did vote, they voted for the Democrat. Um, they won't support any Republican other than Donald Trump. Uh, Trump's uh, domination of the Republican Party is virtually total. Uh, he has the highest approval rating among Republicans uh, of any president since Reagan, and they're actually 10 points, 15 points better than the approval Reagan, r- rating for Reagan. Uh, five out of six uh, Republican women, for example, will not vote for Governor DeSantis in a, uh, an authoritative poll that I saw yesterday. So um, this idea that he can't win a general election, I've heard this before, by the way. That's what they said in 2016. Uh, right. The real question, what's more troubling, is whether we're going to have an honest, fair, transparent <laughs> election. Um, that is a much, much bigger problem. Uh, there are things that can be done uh, in about 46 key counties and swing states to ensure the election uh, is uh, honest. It, it, we have to use newer technology. We have to be prepared this time. Uh, in all honesty, in 2020, uh, the Trump campaign was completely and totally unprepared. The Republican National Committee, which is a complete waste of human flesh and resources, was completely unprepared uh, for any scenario in which the votes needed to be legally, properly, and quickly uh, uh, examined. So they had no mechanism in place. Uh, I, I love Rudy Giuliani, but he went out there and on the basis of of uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, analytics said there was voter fraud. Well, he wasn't wrong. In other words, when more people vote in the city of Philadelphia than are registered to vote, that is evidence of fraud, but it's not proof of fraud. Uh, and therefore, um, we have to, we're going to have to fight to have cleaner elections. 
we do have Republican legislatures uh, in both houses in Wisconsin and Georgia and Arizona. There is still time to fix the election laws there to improve them. Um, what we really have to do, though, is pray uh, that any number of cases that are still moving towards the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court will ultimately hear one of those cases. I would argue that mail-in ballots are unconstitutional for a number of reasons, and they should be knocked out. The only reason they were able to pass them in most places anyway was because they had the excuse of COVID, COVID-19. Without the mail-in ballots, Joe Biden would not have been able to hijack the election of 2020. Uh, and then, of course, you have the media who, like petulant children, say, no, there is no evidence whatsoever of election fraud, which is, of course, an absurdity. Uh, there's a large number of anomalies and irregularities uh, in the last election. It cannot be tolerated in the next election. But this time, the Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee, uh, but particularly the Trump campaign, because the Republican National Committee cannot be counted on for anything other than lining their own pockets uh, and the pockets of the chairwoman and all of the key consultants who are taking out millions of dollars while Republicans lose elections. Uh, they have to be prepared for this. And uh, they are working with a series of attorneys and IT experts to have a much, much better plan to avoid the theft of the 2024 election. Well, I could tell you, I know that in New York, I was told recently that I actually won my primary. And if I wanted to join a class action lawsuit, and I said at this point, four years later, it doesn't really pay. There are, you know, we're running out of time, but I want to talk about something that no one really ever discusses. And that is, I hear, oh, Roger Stone and all the far right, they're all anti-Semitic. You have been nothing. And now we know each other many years. And like I said, you've endorsed me on your own. I have never seen, and I'm glad you brought up about Nixon, anything other than pro-Israel, pro-American Jewish common sense uh legislation. And let's face it, I mean, we were together like 2015, 2016. There was no better president for American Jews and Jews around the world than Donald Trump. And uh, I want to just clarify, you are not, you are a big supporter of Israel and the Jewish people, and you always have been, and you proved it by what you said about the Nixon. Uh, I work for the two presidents who did more for Israel than any other than Harry Truman, who actually founded uh, Israel. If it were not for Richard Nixon, there would be no Israel today. Syria and Egypt launched a surprise attack on Israel. Golda Meir reached out for, for President Nixon and said, our backs are against the sea and we are out of ammunition. It was the end for Israel. Lights out. Henry Kissinger said, don't do anything, Mr. President. It'll just aggravate the Soviets. And Nixon said, no, take every plane we have that can fly, anything that can fly. I want $37 million worth of lethal aid sent to the Israelis overnight. Now, interestingly enough, this is a, one of the Watergate-era tapes that is never heard. The next morning, Nixon says to Kissinger, so have the Israelis gotten the munitions we're sending? No, sir, they haven't left yet. Nixon said, get, get Admiral Moore, the chief of, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, on the phone. You can hear this. It's in the tapes. He, ha he says... He says, Admiral Moore, if that plane is not in the air in the next two hours, I'm coming over to the Pentagon to put my foot up your ass. 
We said, well, Mr. President, we haven't decided what aircraft to use. And Nixon said, I don't care. Send anything that can get there, anything that can fly. If it wasn't for Richard Nixon, Israel would not have survived. And then how many Republicans presidents promised us uh, that they would move the Capitol? But none of them did until Donald Trump. So I get tired of this idea that I'm uh, uh, an anti-Semite. There's If you saw my diet, you would realize that I was Jewish in a previous life, because as soon as we finish here, I'm going out for a pastrami sandwich. Uh, But beyond that, uh, the the other one that makes me, that aggravates me is, uh, oh, you're a white supremacist. Really? Uh, I objected when Ronald Reagan did not extend the Voting Rights Act as president. Uh, I actually, a lot of my conservatives hate this. I opposed stop and frisk in New York City. I don't think you should stop people on the basis of their string their skin color. Uh, I'm a supporter of affirmative action, which was a Nixon administration uh, policy, not not Johnson, not Kennedy. A lot of my conservative friends don't like that either. That's fine. Uh, uh, you know, I'm against the the war on drugs uh, as repurposed by Joe Biden, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, and Bill Clinton. Uh, which for the first time, rather than going after drug kingpins and drug dealers and drug traffickers, uh, they targeted the first time nonviolent possession of small amounts of drugs uh, for personal use, which has unfairly incarcerated hundreds of thousands, if not millions of poor people and black people. If you have no previous criminal record, you're a housewife with three kids or you're a woman with three kids and you're caught with a tiny amount of marijuana in your purse, no, I'm sorry, you shouldn't do 20 years. That's ridiculous. Uh, and who is the president who who enacted the, the, uh, the, the First Step Act and the Second Chance Act? The first president to give us any reasonable criminal justice reform? Why, it was Donald Trump. So this, you're a white supremacist stuff is a real pain in the neck. It's a lie. The idea that I'm anti-Semitic is a bigger lie. Uh, there is no greater fan in the entire world of both Al Jolson and Eddie Cantor, who I listen to constantly. Uh, you know, it's, it's an absurdity, but that's the way the left is. They just smear you without any regard to the facts or the record. Well, you are welcome back here anytime. We support you. Our followers support you. We wish you good luck with the show. We uh, hope that you will be back a lot as the uh, campaign goes on. Uh, this show does go international. It also comes out of Israel simultaneously. So, uh, Roger Stone, as always, it's been a pleasure. Great to be with you. And again, you can listen to the show at the WABCradio.com website today at 3 o'clock Eastern Time in the United States. And downloaded and streamed internationally anytime. I am your American Patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. We are running short on time, so I'll just leave you with this. Love somebody, be kind, and choose joy in this crazy, beautiful world. We will talk to you next week. See you. It's a beautiful